Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg. Alongside me is Zach Smith, and it's our first show of 2020. That's right, the new year. We're going to uh, kind of talk about the halfway point of the year so far, as well as a few other things, and uh, drop another podcast here on January 6th, and uh, get home in time to watch most of the very exciting game tonight between the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, which was on national television, Zach, so I am looking forward to that one, McDavid versus Matthews. Absolutely, it's going to be a great game, uh, a great start to the week when you have a matchup like that. Yes, absolutely, so going to be a lot of fun uh, this evening, so uh, let, let's go to the Winter Classic and talk about the result there. Uh, the National Predators had a 2 nothing lead, I don't know how much of this game you caught, Zach, I caught basically the highlights, caught a little bit of it uh, after the fact. I was busy during the day, so I wasn't able to watch it live. Uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about, precisely now, is starters winning 4-2 with four consecutive goals um, unanswered to end the game, is that Corey Perry just laid a licking on Ryan Ellis's, uh cranium and just elbowed the bejesus out of him. And he got five games for that suspension uh, just an absolute dirty hit, and one that I was just, I, doesn't shock me because it's Corey Perry, but, I mean, you gotta know that, you know, you're going right at his head. Yeah, and I mean, it literally happens, what, in the first couple of minutes of the game. Um, such an exciting event to to have that really be the, the opening statement of what happened in Dallas was disappointing to see. I mean, Corey Perry, no surprise there. He's had a few questionable hits in his career. Um, not very well known as a as a good clean player at all times, so um, a justifiable I think suspension. Uh, not upset about that. Unfortunate for Ryan Ellis. Uh, unfortunate for the Nashville team. Um, and then the Stars come back with a big W after um, after that. You know, a, an exciting game overall. Like we said, the buildup of it being you know south for the first time ever. Um, to be in Dallas, it looked like the crowd was electric, um, some good action on both ends, and overall, I think a pretty good game for this Winter Classic. Yeah, I, I thought a, a really good game, and we're going to talk about some more news actually related to this, this in a minute, because, I mean, we're literally breaking news that just came across the wire, but very quickly before we get to the national uh, side of this, I thought the jerseys were cool, I thought the entrances were really cool with the horses and, and all that. Um, all right, let's get to, we talked about Corey, now let's get to the breaking news that we just had. Uh, literally, as we started hitting record on this podcast, uh, the National Predators, and David Portal came out the other day and said, it's not the coach chain, I'm looking the roster changes, it's not the coach, well, apparently it's the coach chain because Peter LaViolette, uh, has been fired after a 1915-7 start, along associate coach Kevin McCarthy also dismissed. I'm going to see if they named who the interim coach is. But Peter Laviolette, I don't think this is on him. I think this roster has aged really quickly from the National Predators. Pekka Rene, it's not the same Pekka Rene anymore. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know anything. I don't think it's on Peter Laviolette. And who I think will be in high demand um, in this offseason, if not hired before. I'll yeah, see. and it's... Uh... What is this, the sixth coaching change, the sixth firing that we've seen? Um, yep, yeah. So far this season, 20%. Uh, uh, of course, this one, you know, we assume is based on the play. 
um, the performance rather than the the other misconduct issues. Um, you know, I'm surprised at how the how the Predators have performed so far this season, and we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later. Um, you know, there's got to be a scapegoat, typically. Um, I agree he's going to be, um, you know, highly sought after. He's got some great experience. Um, you know, he's had a good winning record as a coach. Um, he'll be, he'll be uh, one of the top guys, I think, on the markets. Um, kind of touching on that and going a little bit off script, Matt. Um, oh, please do. Some, some interesting news that uh, I'm not sure if you read um, – about it over this week, and I can't remember, Friday or Saturday, they came out with a story of um, Montgomery, the former coach for the Dallas Stars, uh, looked like he was checking into possible rehab, uh, admitting to some some alcohol abuse, kind of shed some light on, um, you know, the issues that surrounded his firing. Again, it wasn't the, you know, on the ice misconduct, it was some personal off the ice, and they didn't want to get into it. Kind of shed some light now on it, um, you know, an unfortunate situation for him to have to be fired and uh, to go through that. We just kind of want to hope all the best, you know, hope he can get back into a good spot, get the priorities in his life in order. Um, wishing him all the best as he continues on this personal journey of his. Yeah, and I, I give credit to Jim Montgomery. I, I knew I was forgetting something, and I'm no word on, by the way, who the new head coach and the Predators is going to be in the interim. Quickly um, back to Jim Montgomery is, you, you know, I give him courage for coming out with that statement and admitting the issues because it's hard. It's hard nowadays to admit any issue because of the backlash and the criticism, you know, people and the critique that people have. So I give him credit for that. And, you know, it just speaks to really how bad his alcohol addiction was that it was – you know, debilitated and, and addiction is a disease. So I, uh, you know, I applaud him for going to get the help and hopefully he gets the help and he you know, learns. Listen, this is a lifelong process to try to beat the addiction, and so he will hopefully be able to, uh, you know, be better for it and maybe you know take care of these and hopefully find his way back in hockey again because I you know, do think that he is a good coach. Yeah, I think it just, it's another story, it's another example to point to the the human condition that exists in this sport. Obviously, they're, they're not just athletes, they're not just robots, they're people, they're not just coaches, they're people. Um, we talked about it with the, with the brave story of Robin Leonard coming out with mental health. We've seen it in some of the, uh, the misconduct and players starting to speak up of, of coach abuse and uh, verbal, physical, whatever it may be. This is just another, you know, important topic to bring to light. Um, we're hoping for the best for him. We're hoping that he's able to find the the strength and the healing that he needs in uh, whatever route he decides to go for his family, that they're there for support, and really that he just focuses on getting himself in a, in a good spot. Um, then we'll deal with hockey after that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't say it any better. All right, well, let's go over to the World Juniors, quickly recap that. Uh, that happened over the weekend. We had uh, Sweden defeating Finland 3-2 in the bronze medal game. I caught a, a chunk of this game Sunday, yesterday morning, and I mean, the Swedish goaltender was phenomenal uh, in the third period of that game. I think the last seven or eight shots were in uh, were Finland finished shots against the Swedish goaltender. He made a great save with about six seconds left to give them 
the bronze medal. Uh, going over to the gold medal game, a rematch of a pool play game between Canada and Russia. And, I mean, these two teams don't like each other. I don't know if you caught any of that, but Canada, very undisciplined in the first period. I believe they took four penalties. I think they took, like, the first six penalties in this game. It was an insane number. But Russia's up 3-1 to one, and with 11 minutes to go, and Canada winds up uh, scoring with goals by Connor McMichael, Barrett Hayden, and then Akil Thomas with three minutes and 58 seconds left to uh, storm back and win the gold medal for the three. It's their 18th gold medal at the World Juniors. They will be the number one seed next year, and um, in their pool will be uh, Trent Finland, Switzerland, I know Germany, and I want to say Slovakia are going to be in their pool next year, and the World Juniors will be in Edmonton uh, at Red Deer as well, and it will be Russia, Sweden, the U.S., which finished sits, um, Austria's in there as well, and trying to think of, oh, and the Czech Republic as well will be in the other pool, so, uh, congratulations to Canada, just a phenomenal tournament, uh, Alexis uh, Lafreniere, the presumptuous number one pick, uh, so far, was named the tournament MVP, and he missed, like, three games. I, the guy was just phenomenal. A lot of power, a lot of speed. Just a, a difference maker. and Someone to watch uh, here as draft season comes upon us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, first thing that I feel like, you know, I want to point out, a, a bit of a disappointing performance by the U.S. Uh, we were kind of talking a U.S.-Canada chalk uh, tournament yeah. that they would be the teams to beat. Disappointing showing by uh, by our by our country, um, but you know it's still a great tournament. Um, some great young hockey players, some future faces of the franchise for certain teams. Um, you mentioned it. I mean, Canada playing, you know, very poor, very unlike they typically do uh, early in that game to come down with such a huge um, a huge comeback just to tie it up and then yeah. to take the lead. Uh, fantastic performance by them to keep their composure. Um, a great tournament by Russia. I mean, hats off to them. We, you know, we weren't talking about them as uh, a team that had a chance to win it all. They have a great performance. Um, you know, there's no embarrassment in, in getting beat out by Canada. They're they're a juggernaut. They're totally loaded on uh, every position on the ice. So, a great tournament. Um, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, it's always fun to watch these young players go at it. To watch the national pride uh, of each country being there, and I feel like you couldn't really asked for any more than this tournament gave us yeah absolutely uh, a great tournament world juniors are always fun to me you get to see uh, guys who've been drafted guys who are uh, going to be drafted in the next year or two guys who went undrafted it's just it's a great mismatch of uh players because it's it's the biggest tournament really i mean yeah you have the u18s uh later on in april but it just doesn't seem like there's as much fanfare for that one and i the U18s are actually in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan, uh, in April. So, uh, yeah, congrats to Canada. So, Canada, yeah, gold, Russia, silver, Sweden, bronze. Um, so, all that. All right, let's get talking to one of the hottest teams in the NHL. They've won seven in a row. The Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, they have surged into a playoff position. They are in third place in the Atlantic Division. And 
Believe it or not, the Boston Bruins have been stuck in neutral way. I think we thought that that division was over about a month ago. It's not anymore because Toronto has been hot and Tampa Bay have been hot. And all of a sudden, Boston's only on a six-point lead. Uh, they have been scuffling over the last three or four weeks. Or they have not been able to uh, get separation. They're seeing their lead decrease. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Tampa Bay, they have three one-goal wins in their seven-game Win streak, they've only allowed 15 goals over the seven games, and they've allowed one goal four times in this win streak. Uh, give credit to Tampa Bay Lightning. They have been phenomenal lately. Uh, and you look at, you know, um, you know Vasilevsky, Andre Vasilevsky, who's been phenomenal over the last two weeks. Uh, you know, Alex Kalorn's putting in goals. Uh, Kucherov's been high. I think Kucherov has about six points in his last four games. So, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are really showing that, you know, whatever swoon they had, they're over it. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the Tampa Bay Lightning team that we expected to see um, for this season. They started slow. They were inconsistent. Um, I think you ran through it where they would win one, lose one, win two, lose two, and that's how they played the whole season. You're wondering, when are they going to put it together? It uh, looks like we've reached that time. Uh, looks like, like you said, Boston is, um, you know, maybe they're just a little unmotivated because it's the dog days of the season. Um, you know, maybe they keep afloat, stay atop the division and then turn it up as it gets until a month before playoffs. But, you know, if they don't look, um, if they don't look back enough and see Toronto and Tampa right on their heels, they're going to get, they're going to get lapped. That's just how it goes. So, um, Tampa has been great. Every area of the ice has been awesome. You mentioned the goaltending has been phenomenal. Uh, the scores are finally showing up on a consistent basis. You know, we liked this team. I think both of us had them making a good run in the playoffs. Uh, they're kind of justifying why we thought that and why the experts really had them pegged as one of the best teams in the East at the beginning of the season. Absolutely. I mean, if they were one of the best teams last year, obviously, one of the best regular seasons in the history, and then to flame out in the playoffs like they did in four straight to the Columbus Blue Jackets, the eighth seed was embarrassing. And I think there's definitely was a hangover effect for this team coming out of the offseason. Uh, they seem to be passing now, and they seem that they are starting to gel. And I think it's scary when you think about the depth. The, the one question I have is, you know, they're on this run right now. Are they going to win the division? They might. But isn't it better for this Tampa Bay Lightning team to kind of be that second or third seed in the Atlantic, maybe the third seed, to kind of have lowered expectations and not having the pressure that they put on themselves, self-imposed at times? might be a benefit to this Tampa Bay Lightning team in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're Tampa, the last thing you want is, I mean, of course, it's not, it's never bad to win your division or be a top rank um, seed. But if they go in, if somehow they overtake Boston, they overtake Toronto, they win the division, you're going into the playoffs with all those same question marks from last year. You know, are they overrated? Are, are they going to choke? Um, you know, can they handle being a top seed? I agree. You know, sometimes it's nice to get in there as a four, fourth or fifth best team in the conference, um, you know, go on a little run. And then, you know, you get through that first round series, you advance. Now you're playing with house money because you've put those demons behind you. You're now playing well. You've got the momentum going. 
again, I, it doesn't mean you don't want to be the number one seed or the top of your division. You're certainly not going to you know, back away from that if the opportunity is there. But I don't think it's a, it's a make-or-break deal for them to, to win the division. I think if they get in, they're talented enough to, to win whether they're the first seed or the eighth seed. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think this team is just so talented that it doesn't matter what seed they are. And if they are the one seed, then they get the whole mice, and maybe it'll be to their advantage. This year, where it's not the last couple of years, they have lost, you know, game sevens on the whole ice, and so they they've been snaping in that way. All right, um, so let's get just a little bit of Chicago Blackhawks talk. Not not a whole lot this week. Uh, up and down again. They win in Calgary. Uh, they wind up losing to Vancouver seven to five in just an absolute you know shootout up and down game. And then last night they're down two nothing in Detroit. Uh, they wind up scoring two goals in less than a minute. Dylan Strome, Dylan Secura gets his first goal uh, in 44 games, his first career NHL goal. And then you go with that. What I thought was just an absolutely beautiful play by Adam Boquist. Uh, you know, a little inside to outside move to right back to the middle of the uh, slot. Uh, just, you know, basically dangling there in Helm and getting into it. And just a beautiful wrist shot. With Adam Boquist has a great wrist shot. And um, that's why I, I much prefer to see him taking wrist shots than uh, slap shots because I think he's so much better at wrist shots. And, you know, they wind up getting an empty netter with Dominic Kubli. They, they win against the Detroit Red Wings, which they should. Uh, 4-2, to two, you know, Corey Crawford starting for Robin Leonard. Uh, a great win, but again, it's a team that you'd like to see a little bit more consistency out of and inconsistency has been the name of the game so far for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to touch on the same thing I always do. The defense is so-so. Of course, the injuries are piling up, and they've got some, you know, younger guys in there. They weren't planning on that, but, you know, if the season's going to be a wash, you take that experience, and hopefully it builds on the future. Um, the goaltending's phenomenal, as it has been all season. Um, it's the offense that continues to, to give me worries and continues to make me doubt this team. Of course, this week they put up three goals uh, against, or they put up five against Calgary. They score five in that loss at Vancouver, and then they score four. So the offense, you know, has the ability to to be there, but is it going to be consistent? The craziest stat to me is, as I'm looking through where they rank in these different categories, they have the 23rd worst goal differential in the league, which is certainly not good, and they're better than teams like Ottawa, L.A., New Jersey, Detroit, you know, the teams you expect to be better than. But they're tied for the sixth-best save percentage. That just goes to show you, they can't score, and their goalies are, you know, lucky to keep them as competitive as they are, which isn't very competitive. I mean, they're, they're in the bottom of the central division. So the offense continues to be my biggest question mark. Um... It looks like they're starting to heat up. You have Tabrinkat starting to play better. Um, him and Strom are working well together. Of course, you have Taze, who's been you know inconsistent on the offensive end this year. Kane's still your best player um, and the only one who's putting goals in consistently. I just have a lot of question marks about him. Um, the same spot I've had all year, pretty much. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the lines right now. Um, I like the fact that Strom and Debrinkat are in the same line, and I'm fine with Kirby Dock on there. But I don't like the fact that you have John Quinville with Taze and Kubelik, and you have Patrick Kane with Ryan Carpenter and Dylan Secure. And I get that you get no scoring from your bottom six if Kane isn't there, but but 
Come on, Ryan Carpenter's not an offensive player. Dylan Secure is not. I I would much prefer at this point, I'd rather see Kirby Dock with Patrick Kane because I think Kirby Dock is defensively responsible. Let Kirby Dock center that line and just kind of do it. And I still don't like that top line with, you know, Quinville. Or I would just load up, more personally, I would just load up with Kane, Taze, and Kubalik, Strom, and, and, you know, uh, different Cat and Dock, and I will just take my chances. Uh, at this rate, you know, and I hope I get a goal out of the bottom sets every other game, uh, because you know I'm I'm not a big fan. I'm not going to harp on it too much because I think there's uh, more important stuff to talk about today. But you know, I do like the fact that what they're just playing the kids now. You know, put Boquist there for 20 minutes a night. Let Doc get 18 minutes a night. Let them get that experience because it is going to serve your team better when they're ready to compete. And you know, you're talking about. Look, if you miss the playoffs, you miss the playoffs. Maybe you have a little bit of lottery luck again, and you're able to you know, get another piece to add to this growing core, young core. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be irresponsible at this point to run the team as if they're going to have a St. Louis Blues-like comeback and make the playoffs. Like that's This team's not there, and that's okay. You know, you're putting in the young guys. You're getting that, um, you know, crucial experience but i agree with you let's put the let's put the young guys with some veterans out there so they can see um you know what it's like to play hard and to and to play the right way um i would load up the top two lines take your chances with the bottom six you know being a questionable offensive unit um again you're not playing for the cup you're not playing for playoff seedings um so at this point give as many minutes as you can to these guys let's start um you know, making that transition. They've got a good young core. I mean, the, these players are playing well um, as they come up. Sakura gets his first goal in the National League. He's a good young player. Doc and Boquist, obviously, we can't sing their praises loud enough. They've been phenomenal uh, in terms of, you know, the position of the Hawks this year. Um, yeah, I think that's just the reality of it. A good week for them is going 2-1, and one, and I think that's all we can really expect for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I, I think the scoring will come for Doc, and, you know, he'll get more consistent, you know, it, and I think, you know, if you see a little bit more consistency, that makes you feel really good about Kirby Doc. Um, yeah, so, you know, we'll talk more, because they, they look like they are headed for cap hell yet again uh, this offseason, uh, mainly due to the amount of contracts that they took on with more than one year remaining in this offseason. I don't know how Bowman thinks he's going to possibly get out of that, but Kubelik's going to get a huge raise if you still have Dylan Strom to get locked up and Robin Leonard. I, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to do all of that, but, but we'll see. All right, so we decided to take a different track with the top three this year because this is a halfway point. Uh, every team's pretty much at the halfway point, if not there yet. Um, and the top three, three teams that kind of intrigue us for the rest of the year. And uh, I'll go with my list. I, look, the one that intrigues me the most is the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is a team, they've had no Sidney Crosby, no Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel's now out for the rest of the regular season. Uh, you know, Alex Gilchenyuk has been awful. Uh, you know, you name it, they've had the injury to the position, and then some. Uh, Matt Murray has been, you know, uh, supplanted by Tristan Jerry. But this team continues to win. Uh, they're second in the Metropolitan uh, they are having a great year. They just continue to win games. I I'm impressed 
by what the Pittsburgh Penguins do. And I'm intrigued to see when this team starts to get healthy, like when Crosby comes back, which I think should be in a matter of about a week or two. Uh, what's this team look like? And do they even take off even further when they can make a run at trying to catch the Washington Capitals, which I think is still probably unlikely given how far. I think the Capitals have a 10-point lead over the Penguins, if I remember, or 12. Um, eight. Oh, it's eight. It's oh. up to eight. Okay. Or down to eight. Yeah, but, you know, still, that's it's a lot of points to make up, but they can make a run. Uh, and then I went with two Pacific Division. Uh, Arizona, they're in second in the Pacific Division. They are a team, you know, Taylor Hall's been incorporated. They seem to be doing rather well. Um, I think that as Hall gets more comfortable, this team's going to become more dangerous. And if they can get Darcy Kemper back, uh, who's been phenomenal this year, uh, top two or three in most goaltending categories, I, you know, I, I like this Arizona very intriguing to me, and I think that they are a team that I want to see in the playoffs. I'd like to see them do well, uh, and I feel you know, the market deserves it, and I think it would be interesting to see what happens with them. The uh, final team is the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, this is a team that's very offensive firepower. Four or more goals in five of the last seven games. Um, you know, it's kind of incredible what they're doing. They've allowed two or less in the last, in five of the last seven games as well. Jacob Marstrom's been phenomenal this year, 30-year goaltender, enjoying the breakout uh, regular season. JT Miller had a four-point game against Chicago. This Vancouver team with Elias Pedersen, who's phenomenal, young talent, and Jacob Marstrom, it looks like they might have a shot at getting in the playoffs. And I'm intrigued to see, can they get the job done? in a Pacific Division that's a little bit weaker than people thought with the fact that, like, San Jose is nowhere near this race. Calgary right now is, uh, would be in a wild card spot, which we'll detail in a second, but I'm intrigued to see those three teams as we go further along the season. Yeah, I mean, three great picks. Um, three teams that have definitely been, you know, exciting to watch um, so far this season, and could definitely be influential as the uh, as the playoffs loom near. I'll go with my three. I've got my number one, St. Louis Blues. I mean, we've talked about it enough. Just absolutely phenomenal. No uh, Stanley Cup hangover. And to do it without their arguably their best player in Tarasenko for an extended period of time, it's just remarkable. Uh, they sit pretty comfortably um, first place in the Central. They're the top team in the West. Um, you could make the argument that they're the best team in the league if you wanted to. Um, Washington still holds that spot for me, but they're certainly right up there. Um, you know, just just a phenomenal group, um, yeah. and they've been exciting to watch. I mean, they're they should have a chance to go on another cup run. I think how they're playing. Absolutely. My second, I've got the New York Islanders. Look, a team that um, you know doesn't really have any superstar talent or didn't going into the season. They might have a few guys who uh, are starting to become household names on their team. Um, they missed out on the top goaltending free agents, um, and, you know, the goaltending's been their best position so far with, uh, Greece and Bar Barlamov so far this season. Uh, they went on that 13, won 13 of 14 games. They're competitive in the Metro division, uh, two points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins for the second spot. So, um, a team that I, you know, a lot of people didn't predict to be as competitive as they have been. Um, you know, maybe had them at a, as a wild card team or right on the edge there. They've been great so far. One of the best stories that I've enjoyed watching. The last team, uh, for negative reasons, 
why they've been intriguing to me. A team we've already touched on, the Nashville Predators. Um, a team that I thought was going to have a chance to make a cup run. Um, and right now they need a, a, a Blues-esque run of last year to, to make a playoff push. Look, they've got, you know, on paper the pieces to be competitive. Uh, of course, a few injuries have hurt them, but they've still got good good players. Pecorine, while he's starting to show some uh, signs of aging, he's still a very uh, capable goaltender. Look, I'm disappointed in them, um, even though they would, you know, be one of the biggest Hawks rivals of the last few years. Um, it's a team that I enjoy watching play. I want them to be competitive. I thought it would help the Central Division, and they've just been disappointing right now. They sit one game uh, or one point above the Hawks, which is not where you want to be if you're looking for a playoff run. So, um, you know, Nashville has been disappointing to me. I'm hoping they can put it together because I do think they still have the pieces to make a run. Look, if you got a great goalie who plays on his head like Pecorine can, you can make a cup run. So I'm hoping that they put it together. They're certainly better than some of the teams in the division, um, but just disappointing so far as, as uh, we reflect on the season about the halfway point. Yeah, they had a heartbreaking loss last night in a shootout. I don't know if you caught any of that game, but uh, in overtime, John Gibson made just... I don't even know how he made the save, but and I'm trying to remember who it was. I feel like it was Victor Arnson. I might be wrong. And, uh, you know, Arvidsson beat him, and Gibson got the pad on it, but slid into his own net, and actually, Arvidsson's stick isn't near the net, because he was trying to, you know, uh, you know, tuck it in pretty tightly. Arvidsson's stick is the one who kept the puck out of the net, because I think the puck probably slides in the net if Arvidsson's stick isn't caught there between the pad and the post. I think you know exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. I was absolutely floored by that, but... Um, and that might have been what led to Lavalette's firing. That's not his fault. You know, teams over 500, they just, you know, it's going to be interesting to see that team in Nashville if they are sellers now, if they just blow the whole thing up now. So, so we'll see. I That's a great pick. Love that pick. All right, let's look at the standings. We'll look at the standings really quickly at the halfway point, what the playoffs would look like right now. So uh, right now you have Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. That's the top three teams in the Atlantic Division in that order. In the Metropolitan Division, you have Washington, Pittsburgh, and the New York Islanders. So you would have a rematch in the first round between Pittsburgh and the Islanders in the first round if the playoffs starting today. The wild cards would be, the first wild card would be Carolina, which is on a little bit of a losing streak. Now the second wild card would be Florida over a tiebreaker for Philadelphia. So Philly is tied for that second wild card. Florida would get it on the tiebreaker. Florida would play Washington in the first round. Boston would play Carolina in a rematch of the Eastern Conference Final last year. Uh, Columbus is three points out. What an incredible run for them so far. Um, you know, they are going to have to hope to get their goaltender back pretty soon. Of course, uh, Buffalo is four points out. Montreal, six points. And the, Island, the Rangers, excuse me, seven points out. In the Western Conference, in the Central Division, St. Louis Blues uh, are in first. Colorado would be in second. Dallas would be in third. Uh, that'd be a fun matchup, Colorado versus Dallas in the playoffs as well. Uh, in the Pacific Division, you have Vegas as the one. Arizona would be two. Vancouver would be three. I That, to me, would be a fascinating matchup between two young teams. Uh, Edmonton would be the first wild card, and Calgary would be the second wild card. So Edmonton would play Vegas. And then you'd have Calgary against St. Louis. 
Uh, Winnipeg is one point out of the playoffs right now. Minnesota is three, Nashville four, Chicago five, San Jose seven. Um, after that, I can just kind of cut it off because teams were at least 10 points out. Uh, going to be pretty impossible for most of them. But looking at those standings, I think the surprise to me uh, would be San Jose Sharks. Just inconsistent, haven't been able to get it going, and the fact that Calgary is not in a solid three because of the play of Arizona and Vancouver in the West. Uh, to me, that's kind of the surprise in, in the East. It's kind of how I figured it would go, I think, actually. Um, I think I did pick... Did I pick the Rangers for the play? I feel like I picked the Rangers for the playoffs. Yeah, the Rangers and yeah, that, the Devils. That, that was foolish of me. Yeah, and the Devils. Yeah, the Devils are disappointing to me. Um, they're not even anywhere close to that, but... Other than that, I mean, I don't really see a whole lot of... You know, Columbus is a, a very pleasant surprise based on all the talent they lost. Yeah, I mean, the East is pretty much chalk. I mean, uh, you know, maybe Philly can make a run, maybe Columbus, um, you know. But these pretty much are the teams that we thought would be there. Um, you know, those teams, especially the two wildcard spots, to have Carolina and Florida as your wildcard teams just shows how deep the conference is. Yeah. I mean, those teams are both phenomenal, so... Um, you know, some exciting, if it were to end today, there's some exciting matchups that you might see. And, uh, you know, I think the, the most exciting one would be that Toronto finally doesn't have to play Boston in the first round. Maybe they could finally make their run. Uh, of course they could easily meet them later in that, uh, in this, in a series. So, you know, I, I think these would be some great teams, some great series and, um, you know. Only a few surprises, I think, at this point of the season. Yeah. It, it's not a picnic, though, to have to play Tampa Bay in the first no, round. Absolutely. I, I think that would be the other worst matchup you would want. So, I mean, we'll see if, you know, if Toronto uh, gets there. And that's the fun. You know, we got, you know, anywhere between 38 and 41 games left, depending on the team. So, uh, it'll be fun. We'll start looking at the standings more in depth uh, once we get to February. We'll probably have a weekly look at them and kind of see how it is and how it's going um, you know, once we get to that past the All-Star break. Uh, really quickly, one, one note I forgot. Uh, Minnesota was awarded the Winter Classic for next year. It'll be taking place at Target Field. Uh, a couple possible opponents have been bandied about. The Chicago Blackhawks, which I hope not. The St. Louis Blues, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Colorado Avalanche. We've seen a Colorado-Minnesota outdoor game in Colorado, I would, I'd love to see the Winnipeg Jets in the Winter Classic. You know, because they're bringing in new teams, and I think, you know, the Blackhawks, they, they don't. It, it, to me, it should be either Winnipeg or St. Louis. Um, I get the Colorado thing, but it's, no. And, you know, it, I, I feel like, you know, Winnipeg would be a great choice for the NHL. Yeah, I mean, that would be a heck of a game. Um, selfishly, I would love to see the Hawks, of course, to have right. uh, another great uh great showing but truthfully they don't deserve it the way they're playing the way they probably will be playing next year they won't deserve it um let's get some new teams in there that was part of the great uh experience of the game last week is is having it in a different city having some different teams in there let's get winnipeg in there that'd be a great matchup with the wild yeah i i think you know if the nhl was smart they'd pick either you know st louis or colorado or winnipeg uh, just because those teams have, have been better recently you'd like to have a team that's going to be really good in the winter classic um i 
I think it probably ultimately winds up between St. Louis and Colorado for that. Um, I Even though I think Winnipeg with the regional rivalry would be great, but we'll see. Alright, so here's some stats for you at the halfway point. Then we're going to get into our player game of the week and Smith's hits. Uh, Montreal, Detroit, and New Jersey have losing records at home through the halfway point of the season. Uh, New Jersey and Detroit aren't anywhere close to 500 uh, at home. Colorado, Toronto, and Washington have scored over 150 goals already as a team. Dallas and the Islanders are the stingiest teams. They have allowed, I believe, 104 and 105 goals, respectively. Wow. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid lead the points race for the Art Ross with 65. Nathan McKinnon has reeled them in. He has one behind at 64. Uh, David Pasternak has 61, and Brad Marchand has 60. So looks like we're actually going to have a race. Remember when Drysdale and McDavid were like 10 clear of everybody else, but with Edmonton's struggles lately, not a surprise. David Pasternak leads the NHL in goals with 31. Austin Matthews, second, 28. Jack Eichel with 26. Nathan McKinnon at 25, and Leon Drysdale uh, at 24. There's a couple other players at 24. I know Patrick Kane's in there. And um, I want to say it's uh, Rashad or somebody at 24 as well. Uh, Tristan Jerry leads in goaltending <laughs> numbers. A 1.99 goals against average. He has a 9.35 save percentage. Thurston Kepper is second among goaltenders who have played a lot. A 2.17 goals against and a 9.29 save percentage. Um, and Frederick Anderson leads the NHL at wins with 21. Andre Vasilevsky and Jordan Bennington are second with 19 so far. So those are some of your statistical leaders halfway through the year. Yeah, I mean, I think the most exciting part is going to be watching the Art Ross um, race. You've got really five or six guys that are just phenomenal goal scorers, great all-around players. Um, it should be exciting. It should be one of the best, I think, races we've seen in the last few years. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with picking any of those five guys. I mean, any of them have a chance to win it. It's amazing that of the top five that there's two sets of teammates on there. It just goes to show, you know, how competitive it is and how good those teams are. Um, and, you know, they're sharing the love with each other. So can't fault that. No, yeah, pretty crazy to think about. Uh, so let's go to our player of the week, game of the week, and get Smith's hits. And uh, then we'll be out of here. Uh, I, I went with Andre Vasilevsky. His last two games in Tampa have been great. Uh, he's only allowed two goals over the last those last um, those two games. He allowed uh, six for the week. Uh, 2.0 goals against 9.27 save percentage. Two, you know, part of that run for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, great pick. Um, it's definitely one of the main contributors to their turnaround. I stuck with the uh, goaltender theme. I went with Antti Ranta, the goaltender for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, we saw Darcy Kemper go out. We were uh, you know, a little worried would they be able to sustain their success. Ranta's been phenomenal. Um, in three games last week, he allowed three goals. A 96.4 save percentage, um, absolutely phenomenal. And, um, you know, as a guy who we once watched play with the Hawks, uh, you know, always good to, to cheer for someone that we like personally. So uh, a great week for some great goaltenders um, in the NHL. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's go to uh, my pick for game of the week. Uh, I chose Pittsburgh at Colorado on a Friday night. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, Crosby won't be back for this game. I'm assuming not. But, you know, you still have a Kenny Malkin. The, uh, Tristan Jerry's been playing great. 
and you know he'll lead them into Colorado against a fun and fast Colorado team. So, uh, you know, an interconference matchup, and I, I think that'll be a real fun one between two really talented teams. Absolutely, great choice for a Friday night game. I went with an exciting game Tuesday night at 6 p.m. The Vancouver Canucks visit the Red Hot Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, two of the most exciting teams to watch right now. You've got Elias Pettersson going against Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, we know what Tampa's been doing lately. They're going to go for eight straight because I don't believe they play tonight. Um, no, should so. be should be a great matchup and uh, some exciting Tuesday night hockey. Absolutely. All right, let's end it, of course, as we always do, with Smith's hits. Seth, go ahead, take it away. All right, so it's been a few weeks since we've done the segment. Obviously, we had a, a decade show last week. Uh, games have been on and off with the Christmas break and the New Year's holiday. Uh, so just a quick refresher. Pod picks 17 and 13 on the season. Overall, 28 and 27. Been a rough couple weeks um, just with the limited play opportunities. So we're hoping to get back on track. Three games for Tuesday, January 7th. The first one I'm going with the New York Islanders at the New Jersey Devils. On the money line, New York is minus 130. Um, as Matt so uh, brilliantly mentioned earlier, Jersey stinks. Uh, New Jersey is an awful team. Um, it was insightful analysis, I thought. Yeah, it's it's about as, uh, as pointed as you can get for how their play has been. On the other end, New York Islanders have been a great surprise. I just think they're a good value on the money line. Second game, Ottawa at Washington. Speaking again of a team that stinks against a team that's been very good. Uh, Washington's minus one and a half at home. I think they're going to cover that, you know, they could win this game by seven. I don't think anyone would be surprised. Ottawa, not very competitive. Um, so take Washington at minus one and a half. And then a game that should be more exciting than it is. We have later uh, San Jose at the St. Louis Blues. Again, we you know we wish the Sharks were better. Um, this would be a great matchup at the midpoint of the season. Over unders at six. Take the under. I think Bennington's been playing. Um, he's been playing exceptional. San Jose not uh, great on the scoring end. And St. Louis really you know they don't blow teams out that often. They like to play those one or two goal games uh, differentials. So. You know, I think they score under six. I could see like a 3-1, you know, 4-2 victory, um, you know, for the push in that second one. So take the under there. I think Bennington has a great game. So those are the picks for our Tuesday night, January 7th games. All right. Well, hey, well, take those picks, take them to the bank, and hopefully you'll, uh, you'll have some wins. So, well, that's all the time that we have for Puckheads this week. So we will see you guys all next week. And we'll be, ironically, already in the middle of January. Yeah, Can't believe it. Crazy to believe. Yep. All right. So for Zach, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.